today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. Don't question the love of God towards the unexpected, the outcasts, the enemies, the family members of your life. Don't question it. Because here's the reality that God loves them. Even if you don't love them, although we are supposed to love them, even if you don't like them, remember always in your heart that God loves them. Pray that you have His eyes to see them. Fact. Jesus loves everyone. He loves everyone so much that He came to die for the sins of each person who lived then and would live after. Pastor Eric today reminds us not to question Jesus' love for those who we find less than lovable. It's their choice to follow Jesus or not. All we need to do is share his message. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part one of his message entitled, Help Wanted. I titled the message, Help Wanted. We're going to be concluding our look at lessons from Samaria. We've been looking at Samaria now for the last three weeks, and so we're now coming into the, the conclusion of it. So we'll be in John 4, verses 27 through 42. As we've been looking at Samaria, we have seen and we have sat with Jesus as he's been ministering in Samaria. Now, Samaria was a region of land where the Jews would go out of their way so that they wouldn't have to go and mingle and interact with the people of Samaria because they were half-breeds in their side. So they would go and they would just like, we will cross the Jordan River so that we do not have to go through the land of Samaria. That's how bad it was. And so in our lessons from Samaria, the Lord has taught us some powerful and great lessons. Number one being, Jesus has taught us to drop our prejudiced heart and look past borders. Borders that we put up as man to hold us back from doing God's will. That's a pretty powerful lesson in itself. The second lesson that we saw was that Jesus has taught us to overlook tradition. The tradition was to go around Samaria, but Jesus overlooked tradition and he went to Samaria. And that tells us to be open and available for a new thing that God wants to do. Do you believe that God wants to do a new thing in your life? I truly believe he does, because his word tells us that he wants to do a new thing. And finally, we've learned that Jesus is concerned, ready for this, for salvation. God is concerned about salvation. He's not looking about arguing. Jesus wasn't about arguing. He was about doing the Father's business, and that is to present the gospel, the saving news that God brings through his son, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we conclude lessons from Samaria, help wanted, we're going to look at three concluding thoughts. Number one being cheer on. Number two, what to do with the news. And finally, filled and ready to work. Filled and ready to work. And you guys, guess what? This is the day that the Lord has made, right? And I will rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it. All right, so let's pick up in verse... I'm actually going to go backwards. We're going to go into verse 24. The scene is is that Jesus just has had this conversation with a Samaritan woman, and he says in verse 24 that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, that's a huge statement for the woman to hear from a man. This conversation shouldn't be taking place because men didn't usually interact with women, especially a Samaritan woman. And so in verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. 
he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. In verse 28, here's the power verse right here. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Man, that's powerful because Jesus is declaring that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And so now we see verse 27. And it says, at this point, his disciples came. They marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? Where were the disciples at this point? Well, earlier in our lesson, they, when they came into Samaria, Jesus was wearied. He was tired. And so they went somewhere, it doesn't say exactly, but they went off to buy food. They went off to get some food for Jesus. And so now in verse 27, they come back and they come into the huge statement that Christ just gives to this woman by saying, I am he. They're there for that tail end of that conversation. So imagine what is going on in their mind. Amazing, right? And so at this point, they return from buying the food and they, they walk up to the well and they see Jesus speaking to a woman. What is he doing? What is he doing? This is unheard of. Why is he speaking to a woman? And they marveled. Did you guys catch that word in verse 27? And they marveled that he talked with a woman. The word marveled meaning this. They were filled with surprise, but yet also admiration was mixed in as well. Admiration was mixed in well. They were surprised because that's not the norm. You don't talk to women at this time. But they were yet drawn to it. The admiration kept them silent from speaking forth those fleshly questions like, why are you talking with her? Or what do you seek? Jesus, what are you doing, man? This is just crazy. You know? But the admiration, the respect that they had for God's work kept them silent. The disciples had a heart of approval, you guys. And that's truly because of the Lord being in their presence. And they sensed his power. And then hearing that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, truly must have thrown them back as they were there and listening. They approved of Christ's love for this woman. Now this is radical, you guys. Because we hear all the time that Jesus loves, right? How many times have you heard that Jesus loves you? Or Jesus loves people? All the time. We hear it all the time. He loves all the people of the world, right? But as a follower of Jesus Christ, do you have the respect, the admiration for God's love towards those who you do not interact with? Do you have the respect of God's love for those who you go around? Or do you respect God's love for them and long for that and keep silent and just are in amazement of what God is doing in their life? There's a lot of people that we stay clear of in this world. It's fact. We're human. Some people make us uncomfortable. But if Jesus goes to that person, here's the question. Will you cheer him on? Will you cheer him on? Saying, yes, go after that person. Go, yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, I know Jesus isn't here physically, but Jesus reigns in those who believe in his name. And he uses those people. It's him who's living, not them. 
And so as Jesus goes to people and ministers through us, do we cheer on those who are serving God? Or do we ask them fleshly crazy questions like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do you know that this person is, do you know them? I mean, you don't know their past. They could do something crazy to you. You know what? They could. But here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, you'll be all right. He will guide you. He will protect you. My son told me this week that Psalm 3 was this, one of his favorite verses. And praise God, he's up here because he used to have a fear of stage fright. But Psalm 3 says that the Lord is his shield. And that he won't have to be afraid of 10,000 people that are coming against him. Now, I understand that you guys are coming against the children. But he was scared. But when he read God's word in Psalm 3, God gave him the peace that he can go forward. And so when God leads you to go minister to someone, he is going to give you the peace. And as believers, we should be cheering that work on. We shouldn't be filled with the fear and the worry that the world brings that the enemy would want us to fall into, but we should fall in line and cheering for the peace of God and the strength of God to go forward so that that soul gets saved. They approve Christ's love for this woman. They didn't speak. And so here's the thing is, do we cheer on Jesus when he tells you to go talk to your boss? No, I don't want to talk to him. He's rude. He makes me work overtime. Do you cheer him on, though, when Jesus says, hey, I want to go talk to him? Do you cheer on Jesus when Jesus wants to talk to your spouse who doesn't believe? Who is that person that you stay clear of? Because here's the thing, you guys, is that we need to get outside of this mindset because time is short. And I'm not talking about plane tickets. I'm talking that Christ's return is drawing near. And there's people that are perishing today. And see, God is a God of love. The Bible tells us that. And in 1 John 4, 9, and 10, it says, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God Not that we love him, but he loves us. And so God is a God of love, and his heart is to go and to share his love to this whole world. To the whole world. Don't question the love of God. Don't question the love of God towards the unexpected, the outcasts, the enemies, the family members of your life. Don't question it. Because here's the reality that God loves them. Even if you don't love them, although we are supposed to love them, even if you don't like them, remember always in your heart that God loves them. Pray that you have his eyes to see them. Because he looks at them and he sees a child that is separated. Somebody who is lost. And he is going out there. He is in hot pursuit of their soul. You might not be, but God is. But instead of being on the sidelines and just keeping our hands on our face and in our laps, we should be cheering on the work of God. We need to be cheering on his work, being a part of it, being available for God to do whatever he wants to do, and seeing and having that desire for people to come to Christ. 
Do we have that heart? The disciples were amazed. They had that heart. They kept quiet. Continuing on in verses 28 through 30. Then the woman left the water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now we see what the news does. What do you do with the news of Jesus Christ? Because this woman has had this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus has ministered to her. He has revealed to her, saying that, you know what, I want to give you living water, the water that you'll never thirst of ever again. And he tells her what she's done wrong by saying, when she said, that I have no husband, he's like, yes, you speak truly. You've had five. Oh, okay. And the guy that you're with now, he's not your husband. Man, that's heavy. But Christ was doing it because he loved her. He wanted her to come to him and forget the things that were drawing her away from him. And so the woman here hears these things that Jesus has spoken to her. She leaves her water pot. And you're like, what's the big deal of the water pot? Well, the water pot was her responsibility. As a woman, she went out to the well, even though it was around 12 o'clock, she went out there and she was supposed to bring back water. That was her job, okay? She leaves it and she goes. Where is she going? She's going back into the city to go tell them about this man who has told her everything about her life, to tell the men of the city. She goes to the men of the city, The men of the city, you guys, probably be meaning the leadership of the city. Going to them and saying, here is a man out by the well who knows all things. You guys got to come out and check him out and listen to him. But remember our time frame that we're living in here, okay? The men were not going to be listening to a woman. Especially a woman, don't you think that they knew her reputation and her past? But yet she didn't care. She went and she had to tell the men of the city about Jesus. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the one that we've heard of from our forefathers? Because remember, the Samaritans had the knowledge of, from Moses, but then when they were left behind from the Babylonians, when they came in to take, they were then introduced to all these other foreign gods. And so they had a buffet of belief. But yet they still had an ounce of truth. And Jesus knew that. And that's why he had to go there to present himself. Because he wanted them to know the truth. And so she goes, could this be the Christ? Well, then it says that they went out. Who went out? Well, the men went out. They heard her testimony. They heard what she was saying. And they went out of the city and came to him. Man, she left her water pot. Big deal. Well, leave what you have to go tell about Jesus Christ. This woman wanted to proclaim the name of Jesus. And so then these questions to me, and whenever I tell you a question, I'm telling you because it was asked to me, and I'm just still thinking about it, okay? And I'm still learning and seeking the Lord, but what have you done with the news about Jesus being the Messiah? Have you made this news the top priority in your life? Have you forsaken all that is around you for Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus said this in Luke 14, if you guys want to turn there. Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, 
brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down and first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. (laughs) So Jesus wraps up this whole conversation and says this in Luke 14.33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, that he has, cannot be my disciple. Those words are not mine. That's in the word of God, you guys. And just thinking about that, you know, thinking of that true cost. Have we truly counted the cost of what it means to follow Jesus Christ? Have you counted the cost? Has the knowledge of Jesus driven you to tell others? Is Jesus that main priority? Is he the one who you are waking up every morning and saying, I'm living this life for you today. Whatever you have for me, that's what I want. Are you willing to go and leave what matters to you behind? Remember, the woman left her water pot. That was her thing. That was what she had to hold on to. Are you counting the cost to carry the cross? Are you counting the cost of claiming the cross? Carrying the cross, meaning Jesus says, pick up your cross daily, right? But then how many of us have our little crosses that are on our mirrors or around our shirts or even having the fellowship fish on your car, whatever it is? But are you counting the cost of claiming that cross? The woman counted the cost. She went. Continuing on, verse 31 through 42. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Like, what do you mean he's not hungry? This is crazy. Verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Verse 37, for in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Verse 38, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. 
Verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So after the woman left, the disciples pleaded with Jesus to eat. Because remember, you guys, when they came to the well, when they came into Samaria, that Jesus was wearied from his journey. Verse 6 of chapter 4. He was worn out. He was tired physically. But then, as they said, Rabbi, come on, teach. Teacher, eat something. Please, would you eat something? It's like your mom, right, when you go to her house. And they're like, just eat something. I mean, I'll be like, okay, you don't have to ask me twice, you know. It's a free meal, you know. I'm all about it. So, you know, I'll eat. But Jesus, you guys, tells his disciples, I have food to eat, food that you do not know. And so, again, like I mentioned, the disciples are like, who brought him food? But Jesus, knowing and hearing probably, says, my food is to do the will of the Father. My food is to do his work. So Jesus is saying his strength comes from who? God. And doing the Father's business. What is the Father's business? Well, it's to love the world and to see that none should perish. That's God's business, is to build the kingdom of God. And Jesus' love and his commitment to fulfill the Father's will strengthened him to live. Does the will of our Father strengthen you to live? Is he your strength? The Apostle Paul understood this concept. Well, of course he did. He's Paul, man. He's the Apostle Paul. But he said this. He's also a man. But he said this. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ, who gives me strength. So Paul has learned. He knew it. He could relate because he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And so he probably had the greatest life at that time for a man. But then when he came to Christ, he went through those times of shipwreck. He went through those times where he was naked and hungry. But he learned through Christ that he could be content because Jesus is all he needed. And to do the will of the Father by proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. That kept him going. That kept him with strength. Physical substance supplies limited strength. Fulfilling the Father's will produces an unlimited strength. So then Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you guys say that the harvest is like four months away. He goes, yeah, you know, four months, the harvest. But I tell you, lift up your eyes and look, because the fields are already whitened. The fields are already ready to go. Well, what does he mean? Well, he's meaning about people. He's not meaning about the actual crop. He's talking about the souls of man. That's all the time we have for today on Grace to the Hearers. Thank you for joining us for our verse-by-verse study through the book of John. 
Pastor Eric Kluth will continue this series on the next edition of Grace to the Hearers. But right now, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message free of charge. Just send us an email at info at gracetothehearers.com. That's info at gracetothehearers.com. Be sure to mention today's date. We'd also like to invite you to learn more about Grace to the Hearers by visiting our website at gracetothehearers.com. You'll discover Pastor Eric's heart for this ministry and also find out about more places you can listen to sound, biblical teachings like this one. There are also resources available to enhance your own time studying the Word of God. That's all at gracetothehearers.com. Well, we are so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you. We hope that it's not your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible reminds us frequently of the importance of a church community, and we also encourage you to find a church family to support you in your walk with Jesus. If you happen to be in the Coolidge area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel Coolidge. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m., and you'll find our location information and directions at our website, gracetothehearers.com. We do hope you've been blessed by Pastor Eric's message today from the book of John. Join us again as we continue to look deeper into the Word, right here on Grace to the Hearers.